Hello and welcome to the show. Welcome to CAD Live. And today we are going to be discussing seduction and what seduction actually is, or at least what seduction is in the sense that Robert Greene means it in his book, The Art of Seduction. Because if you remember, oh, I've got some notes here. If you remember from yesterday, what I'm going to be doing in some of the shows going forward is going through The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene, the fantastic book on, well, as it says, seduction and the art of seduction, I suppose, the art of persuasion, the art of getting people to, to like you or getting people to do the things that you want to do. Obviously, a particular emphasis here on dating and sex and romance, but I have to make the point that this actually covers much wider ground than that. Certainly, the book does. We'll talk about that in a minute. So today, uh, I'm going to be talking about the the preface to the book and how Robert Greene sets out his stool for this book about seduction, what he's going to be talking about, what we're going to be talking about in episodes going forward. And I suppose critically, how he defines seduction, what we actually mean when we're talking about seduction. And this is a different take from the old, you know, like the, the, the PUA type thing. This is a different take. This is a more considered meta take on this subject matter but and what you're going to discover as we get into this and throughout this series of talks on on this subject matter what you're going to discover is this stuff is really actionable and if you take it on board this is going to really supercharge your dating results in 2021 and beyond because this stuff is absolutely key and i tell you what we've got a humdinger of a show even today, even just talking about the preface, there's so much interesting stuff to pull out here. This is what makes Robert Greene's book so fascinating, so valuable, and that's exactly why I wanted to, to do a series about the art of seduction. Now, if you're just tuning in on the live stream, thanks very much for, for coming. Welcome. Please put your comments and questions into the chat, as always. If you're watching this on the replay, again, thanks very much for, for joining me. Um and I hope that you get a ton of value out of this. Now, I just want to make the point. I'm not going to be doing this every day. I'm not going to be talking about these things. I'm not going to be talking about The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene every single day. We'll have some days off. We'll get some guests on. We'll talk about some different stuff. But it is something that I want to create some content on going forward because, as I said, I think it's such a fantastic book. If this is new to you, by the way, you need to watch yesterday's episode because I introduced the series in yesterday's episode and I said why I was doing it and everything. So we don't need to recap except to say that The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene is one of the best books actually on dating skills, dating dynamics, social dynamics out there. It really, really is that good. It's up there with things like Influence um, by C.L. Dini. It's up there. You know, people always say you should read The Mystery Method, you should read The Game, of course, so on and so forth. I mean, I would say that The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene is, is, is equal to those at least. It's certainly up there with things like Greene's other books, like the 48 Laws of Power and the Strategies of War. So you should absolutely be reading The Art of Seduction if you haven't already read it. But as I say, it's a, it's a higher level sort of book. It's not like a granular, say this, do that sort of book in terms of pickup. And so what I want to do through this series is really just to sort of break it down for you and kind of like bring it to life a little bit, uh, hopefully through my own experience and uh, you know way of looking at it. So listen, 
the first thing is, so how does the book start off? Okay, so Robert Greene opens the book and sets out his stall about seduction. And the first thing that he mentions is power and physical violence. So we get off to quite a good start. He's talking about power and physical violence. And what he says is, thousands of years ago, power was mostly gained through physical violence and maintained with brute strength, okay? So years and years ago, all that you needed to do was to be strong, to be powerful, and in in having those things, you would get your way. You would get what you wanted to get, okay? And then he starts to talk about how seduction was predominantly a feminine entity. It was a feminine female thing, okay? Because women traditionally didn't have a great deal of power within society hundreds and thousands of years ago, okay? And so the leverage that they had was predominantly through their sexuality and their sexual expression, okay? And the control of that of that sexuality and sexual expression. Because men, of course, desired beautiful women. They desired to get with these attractive girls. I'm going to take this off, actually, a bit hot. Um, they desired to get with these women. And if women just went along with that and gave up the ghost, as it were, then they their power was lost because once the guy had slept with the woman then his desire for her would would lessen it wouldn't necessarily just go away entirely but it would it would lessen and so women figured out this is this is green's thesis women figured out that their lever of control their lever of leverage if you like was their ability to essentially withhold sex or at least to pull a man in and then and then push him away again okay push pull Right. And that's something that we talk about in the in the dating arena a lot. And we'll go into that later. But women realize that their agency, their leverage was based in their ability to con effectively control the supply of sexuality. OK. And so this is a predominantly very, very female thing because guys would just meet heads who would just go around and use brute force and whatever. But women had to be more subtle. Women had to to leverage what you might call now soft skills, I suppose, but predominantly around this field of like relationships, sex, etc. Okay. And guys didn't really pay any attention to the, or they paid attention because they were met with it when they went into the, the courting arena, as it was called then. But guys didn't really take a great interest in it themselves until around the 17th century. And it was in the 17th century that you got the great famous seducers. And the first some of the foremost of those were people like Don Juan and then later on, of course, Casanova. Now, Don Juan, who was based on a number of different Spanish figures and then coalesced into this one literary figure of Don Juan, began to use seduction skills learned from women, essentially, on women themselves in order to achieve intimacy with women okay so it's it's really interesting and this is something that gets talked about a lot in the in the dating and game arena right that actually the the game skills that people have the game skills that people study are pretty much all just things that women do that guys can then also do in order to gain their own leverage in the dating marketplace okay so 
as I say, it was around 17th century that guys learned about this and they started to take it on board themselves. They started to use these similar techniques, these similar modes of behavior in order to, to get a better deal in the dating marketplace for themselves. So Rai says, I didn't get a notification. He was watching Avi, uh, Afi live. Sorry about that. So I'm not sure why that happened. And Adam, welcome to the stream. As usual, says greetings from South Florida. Hello, sir. Good to see you. Yeah, so it was this feminized thing that guys got wise to and started to utilize themselves. And what's interesting is that Robert Greene says that seducers were often somewhat androgynous in nature. And that's the case. There was a certain feminized energy about figures like Don Juan and even Casanova. And certainly later on in the book, uh, Green goes on to talk about figures like Valentino, the actor, who was actually quite a, femini a feminized sort of a character. And this immediately is interesting because it's one of the things that, that pushes back on the stereotypical, very macho, very alpha, in inverted commas, sense of what you're meant to be like as a guy in order to get success with women. And in fact, actually, the original seducers often were quite androgynous in some ways. Not, not fully androgynous. I'm not saying they were going around wearing female clothing or something like that, but they were they were somewhat androgynous. They were somewhat attached to the feminine, let's say, because as I say, after all, seduction itself was a feminine skill set. So I just put that there as a placeholder at the moment. Do with it what you will, but I'm just making that point. That's a point that Green makes in the book. Okay. And it was recognized that seduction was actually a skill set. You know, it was recognized that seduction was not easy. The seduction was something that required effort. Uh, Ninon de Longclos, a great seducer, said, much more genius is required to seduce than to command armies. Okay, so it's not that this is just some brainless kind of easy thing. This is actually quite a difficult skill set that you need to either have luckily have naturally or that you need to acquire. Okay. In tandem with guys like Don Juan starting to use this skill set in order to, to get with women, guys were also starting um, to use it politically as well because the feudal system was starting to recede in Europe. And in its place, you were getting the system of, of courtiers. You were getting the courtly system, okay? And men in the court, in the king's court, recognized that they needed to use soft power in order to get the outcomes that they wanted to get, okay? So this same sort of seductive toolkit was being used for political ends within the courts across Europe as well as in the in the interests of having sex, okay? So that's another interesting thing. And, and what we find as we go through this book is that Green is really at pains to say, look, this isn't all about sex. This isn't all about getting laid. Um, it, it is about that, of course, predominantly, but it's not all about that because in politics, you need this stuff as well. And he then goes on to make the point that, look, in today's day and age, right, violence is pretty much proscribed, okay? 
not entirely, but fundamentally, we live in civilized societies. And so therefore, violence is not the done thing. It's not like back in primordial days where if you just had a bigger army or you just had more brute force, you could get your way and that would be it. It doesn't work like that anymore. It doesn't work like that in politics. It doesn't work like that in business. It doesn't It doesn't work like that. Certainly, it doesn't work like that in relationships. Okay, so you need something else, all right? You need something else. And the something else is the seductive skill set. And this is why men had to start to take this on, because, because force and physical, physical force and physical violence was no longer was no longer appropriate it was no longer it was no longer relevant it didn't work anymore okay and so charisma was required and robert green who's obviously a big fan of jfk because he talks about jfk quite extensively later in the book says look politicians certainly since john f kennedy have absolutely needed to have that charisma in order to sell their ideas to the public in order to sell their ideas within their own party in order to affect the kind of change that they wanted to affect. And I mean, listen, there are so many examples today of politicians who have that charisma, who have that charisma and that ability to move people, that ability to affect the lives of thousands of uh, millions of people. And of course, no need to refer to what's happening in the United States of America at the moment, but we can see how this works on a global scale. Okay. So charisma has been and, and seductive skills, and they're not quite synonymous, but they're, they're, they're getting there in terms of synonymousness, those things are now absolutely required in, in multiple areas in life. It's not just about sex, although, you know, I don't blame you if you want it to be mainly about sex as far as we're talking about it here, but it is, um, yeah, it's it's just required across the board. So if you've got any questions about this, you've got any like comments or anything you want to, you want to say, or even if you've got something off topic, then just whack it in the chat and we'll deal with it. Um, but as I say, we're just currently dis discussing seduction and what seduction means as far as Robert Greene's concerned in, in the art of seduction. He then makes the point that the, the word seduction is drawn from the Latin to lead astray. OK, and it's a, it's alongside a similar route to a word like sedition, which is being used a lot at the moment. You know, seduction, it's that pulling somebody astray, it's that leading somebody astray. OK, so there is certainly within the word a sense of getting somebody to do something that may not have been what they originally wanted to do. Okay, that is using, and, and this is not in a, in a sort of a malicious way necessarily, but it's it's using your skill set to persuade. Okay, it's using your skill set to lead somebody from a path that perhaps they were going to take to a different path. And of course, like anything, that could be used for good or for ill, okay, seductive skills, charisma skills could be used both for good and for bad. In themselves, they're just skills. How you use it is down to the individual and the circumstances, but that's the that's the, the root of the term anyway. He then goes on to say, and this will please the, the lurkers from the Black Pill uh, community, he then goes on actually to talk about lurks and to say that... Uh, to say that it's not all about looks, guys. He says, <clears throat> this is Robert Greene. He says, to have such power, that is seductive power, does not require a total transformation in your character or any kind of physical improvement in looks. 
Well, that's lucky, isn't it? Seduction is a game of psychology, not beauty, and it is within the grasp of any person, any person, he says here, to become a master of the game. All that is required is you look at the world differently through the eyes of the seducer. And, and that's a really, really interesting point, okay? He's talking about, he's saying it's it's not all about looks. It's not all about, you know, physicality, how you come across anything like that. It's It's predominantly about how you look at the world. And he makes this distinction between people who are seducers, who look at the world in one way, and people who are normies, who don't look at the world in that same way. And what he's saying is, if you shift your mindset so that you start looking at the world like a seducer, then that's going to stand you in, in good stead. Um, and then, and this is something I found really interesting. This is something I found really interesting and I think is really, really cool. He says, seducers have a warrior's outlook on life. Okay, a warrior's outlook on life. They see each person as a kind of walled castle to which they are laying siege. Seduction is a process of penetration, initially penetrating the target's mind, their first point of defense. Once seducers have penetrated the mind, making the target fantasize them, it is easy to lower resistance and create uh, physical contact. Okay, so fascinating stuff. The, the, the seducer here, is compared with the warrior, okay? And it's interesting. He uses somewhat um, high-flown language sometimes in this book, and he uses language in a way that I think now wouldn't be regarded as politically correct. But listen, he didn't actually write... This wasn't written that long ago. It was written, what, 10, 15 years ago or something like that. So it's not that old. Some of the, the way that he uses language, it was written in 2003, actually. No, actually, 2001. Um, some of the way that he uses in lang the language in here, I think, would not be particularly welcomed by the woke brigade, let's say. But I don't think that he's actually using it particularly in, a, in any sort of nefarious way. I think that he's he uses or he co-opts the language of battle. He co-opts the language of war to write this. And that's fascinating to me because this idea about the seducer, the lover being the warrior, having that warrior's outlook, this is something that I 100% had when I was when I was younger and I was going out into the streets of London and I was I was I was doing that game. I was doing that 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 approaching. I was going to those clubs. I was I was having all of those crazy experiences right you have to develop that 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 sort of warrior's mindset you are on a special mission you are you are not a normie you are not a normal guy you are you are undercover you are doing you are on a mission okay and it's almost like a military operation and you are there to you know you have an outcome that you want to achieve and you're standing there and then you've got the world standing over here, and you have to go onto that, essentially, battlefield, the battlefield of the dating marketplace, because remember, the dating marketplace is, can be a brutal place, it can be a harsh place, and you have to go out there like the warrior, and you have to do battle, okay? And I really like the way that he encapsulates that in that, in that line in this book, because it's funny, I mean, on the one hand, 
on the one hand, he characterizes seduction as being a feminine skill set. But then on the other hand, now he's talking about it as being the purview of the warrior. So fantastic stuff. Let's have a look at the comments. Uh... Okay, so Jared, we're going to have to block you, mate, I'm afraid. Troy Francis with a video camera. You don't have that you're going RSD on us. We're high room interrun. Uh, this, this video has to be unedited in live camera. Well, that's what my uh, that's what my infields are. So Jared was asking me about infields yesterday. Jared said, Brian, you need to cold approach 100 women in one day with a closing rate of 35 girls in places like Mumbai, Stockholm, London, Buenos Aires, Berlin, Sydney, Beverly Hills. So why do I have to do that? I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do. I don't have to do anything you said. This guy yesterday came on to uh, the comments and he was basically saying, "Oh, Troy, where, why have you got any infields?" And I posted a link to my to my infield collection, and I said, "Here you go." And then he came back and uh, oh, and then he came back and he started banging on about. Uh, he he just ignored the fact that I posted the infields and, and and that was it. And now he's saying because somebody else he follows has done a video where the guy approached a hundred women in a day, he's saying I have to do that. Why do I have to do that? I don't have to do anything. It's up. It's up to me. It's up to me what I put on my YouTube channel. You can, if you don't want to watch, you don't have to watch. I don't have to do anything. You know, I've I, I had infields on this channel before, and then I took them down for various reasons. I don't have to do what some other dude has done. You know, maybe at some point this year we'll start to put the infields back. Watch this space. In the meantime. I've given you the link. All of those infields are filmed with a live camera um, in London because my cameraman lives here. There's a bunch more on the hard drive that I share with guys who are in my Patreon group. Um, so the infields are there, man. You know, I mean, let's see your infields. Let's see your infields if you're so good. I don't have to do what some other random dude does. Why should I? You know, it's up to me, it's up to me what I put on my YouTube channel. But the infields are there. If anybody wants to see them, I'll whack the link in again later. But mate, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to drop. I'm gonna have to block you now because I've I've given you the link to the infields, and you're you're just you're just parroting the same stuff that doesn't make any sense because I because I put a load of infields out there. So what what do you want? You know. And anyway, this show is not actually about infields. It's not about day game. This is this is about the art of seduction by Robert Greene. So, you know, and equally, we could say, we could say, where's Robert Greene's infields? How dare he write this bloody book? Where's his infields? I don't see any Robert Greene infields. What a scam. I mean, these people, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But listen, I'm going to, what I'll do, hold on a second. Now, so if you guys want to have a look then you can and as i say there's a load more um there's a load more in the can as well uh which i share when i do cad academy and i share when i do um i share when i do uh my patreon groups as well and uh we will be putting out uh, another collection at some point at some point and listen maybe i will put some stuff Maybe I will put some stuff back on here, but I don't have to do it. I mean, it would actually, here's the thing, right? It would actually be better for my marketing if I did. And I'm aware of that. I'm very aware of that. But 
it's you know it's it's not that sort of channel right i i'm not that sort of a guy who i'm like hey guys look at this i was at a supermarket and i got talking to this latvian blonde in five minutes and you know I, it's, it's not that kind of channel if it ever was you know it's not that kind of channel so um so there you go but anyway if you look if you go there you can see the infields uh let's have a look and see if there's anything else Ubik says, of course, mystery got very good conversation skills, too, and keeping the frame very well. You don't have to have typical masculine physicality. You can learn, discuss traits. And listen, I get into trouble if I say this because I sometimes say, look, guys don't have to be built. You don't have to be massive. You don't have to be yoked in order to get girls. And then I'll always get some guy on Twitter who will come back and say, um, you're just saying that because, you you know, you, you want to get big and you're not you're not massive. So that's why you're saying it. And look, I mean if you want to get massive, if you want to get, yo, you know, huge, do it. That's fine. I'm not, I, I don't care. I'm not arguing against that. My point is that actually, and John MLD's made this point as well. When you look at examples of what women actually really like, if you look at like the K-pop bands and you look at things like, uh, you, you look at advertising of men aimed at women, you'll see that often actually women respond very well to guys who are pretty lean and pretty cut, shredded, okay, but lean, right? Not really big. And so this notion of the 2D alpha, where it's like, right, you've got to fit that stereotype. You've got to be that jack dude. And if you're not, then you're just getting, you're tossed by the wayside, is not the case. It's certainly, it's certainly not the case in Europe. Now, I do accept that there may be some cultural difference in parts of the United States. But even then, you know, I've been out in New York and I've been out in Vegas and stuff like that. And um, even then, I think that the svelte kind of lean look actually does very well in many cases. But anyway, let's let's not conflate that with being um, feminine because that's not – obviously, they're two different things. You can be lean and extremely masculine. So it's not about, be it's not about being feminized. But – I suppose the overall point here is that you don't have to, you, you know, you don't have to be some roids driven meathead in order to be successful. It really, really doesn't work like that. Uh, showing receipts means nothing to these black pillars. Well, this is the thing, right? I mean, you show the receipts, you show the, you show the receipts and then they, they just ignore it and just carry on. And it's like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. What else have we got? All right. So Gary says, every date is leading to a friend zone because I'm too scared to make a move. I can approach easily, but I can't sexually escalate on dates. Okay. Well, look, that is something that you need to get used to doing. You've got to up the ante. Okay. You've got to move things on to the next stage. And she's not going to do it for you. That's the, the harsh reality. In most cases, Anything can happen, but in most cases, she's not going to do it for you. Okay, you are the one who has to to push things forward, and it is tricky. It is difficult. It is difficult, and sometimes you'll feel nervous. Sometimes you'll feel nervous about doing it because you won't know if it's the right time. Or you'll think, 
you know, is this a little bit too forward? Is she going to think I'm creepy or whatever? You aren't always going to know the right time. Sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith and you have to make it clear. You have to escalate, okay? And that could be, you know, touching. It could be saying, okay, how about we go and have some drinks at my place? It's upping the ante, but you've just got to do it. I know that that doesn't, maybe that sounds like uh, a cop-out, but ultimately it's like jumping out of a plane. You're either going to jump out of the plane with a parachute or not. There's, there's no prevarication around it. And in the end, you, you just kind of have to screw up the courage and just do it, okay? But the more that you do it, the easier you're going to find it because you're going to get more calibrated and you're going to realize that it's okay. The sky's not going to fall in unless you're doing anything weird and creepy. And I, of course, don't condone that. But in in the on a normal interaction in, or on a normal date, and it depends when you're, you're talking about dates as well. Okay, so here's the thing, right? You're talking about dates. Now... When she comes out on a date, I'm not saying it's a sure, of course, it's not a sure thing at all. She's there to assess you. She's there to size you up, whatever. But she's out on the date with you. There's at least some interest there, okay? Because she's not going to come on the date with you unless there's at least potential that something may happen. Because why would she waste her time, right? We're all busy. We've all got lives. Girls don't really, I mean, unless you're doing some ridiculous sugar daddy kind of game girls don't generally go on just randomly waste time going on dates with people if they don't see the potential of anything okay so the, the very fact that she's on a date you can be confident that there's at least the possibility that things could go further okay and so then it's incumbent upon you to ensure that that happens and to ensure that, that happens in a smooth way Okay. And if you fail to do that, then more often than not, you're going to miss out on that particular girl. You're going to miss out on that particular interaction because she's not going to do that work for you. You have to do it. So I know that it's all very well for me to say, just, just, just do it, bro. But ultimately you just have to be confident. You have to take that leap of faith and your lack of confidence in doing it is going to undermine your chance because if she sees that lack of confidence, she's going to think, well, hang on a minute. Why is he not confident? Why is he not just like like Chad, who just like is really confident, just moves things forward, you know? So, yeah, it, ultimately, it's a, it's a question of taking that leap of faith and, and just and just and just going for it, just going for it. Uh, Afro says, Jet, just kiss her. Absolutely. Smash the like button, please do. Please give me a like, give me a comment. Really, really helps. Uh, Backland Bob says, I click like and YouTube put dislike. Ooh, shot's getting weird. I doubled uh, likes, it's fixed. Not getting notifications from you, YouTube nonsense. Well, you know, um, we do live in an age of, uh, um, well crackdowns and all the rest of it i don't think i'm particularly saying anything outrageous on here to be honest um but you know there it is so uh, the show is always during the week it's always 11 30 a.m est or thereabouts 11 30 sometimes it's 12 a.m est but it's, it's that sort of time monday to friday so 
tune in, the show should be going. Uh, I don't know why that would happen. The only thing with this one is I didn't actually trail it um, very early. I just kind of put it up. I didn't do a thumbnail for it because I was busy. So um, I don't know if that's affected it at all. But um, uh, there's no tags on this one either, which is which is bad of me. I should have I should have tagged it up and stuff. So um, so yeah. But the show's on Monday to Friday anyway at that time. So so tune in. Check it, check I'm on, but um, I don't know why that's happening. Obviously, we're in a, a strange time at the moment with um, with, with bat shadow banning and all that kind of stuff. So let's see. Um, the Silver Bishop says, "Isn't it more about looking healthy than just being a mountain of muscles?" Well, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I mean, listen. Of course, I, I you know, I'm I'm a certain body shape. I'm not I'm not Arnie <laughs> in, in the 80s or the 90s. Um, that's just a fact. So obviously, I'm going to have a certain view on it, but. That being said, you know, on a serious note, as John MLD says, look at the Korean pop stars, look at the K-pop stars, look at the male models that they put on in advertising and on the covers of magazines for girls to, to drool over. Look at male pop stars and who are and boy band stars who are marketed at women. They don't tend to be these massive dudes. They don't, they they really don't, you know, they tend to be relatively lean. In good shape, of course, and probably muscled, but they don't tend to be these huge guys. So take from that what you will. Of course, there are women. There are many women who are into very big guys, and I don't dispute that. But just use the evidence. Look look around you. And particularly, I mean, have a look around you in where you live, in your own society. Maybe it's different where you live. But from where I'm sitting, actually, guys who are quite slender. I mean, if I go in London, if I go to the top you know, clubs and restaurants and stuff like that, you get a lot of dudes who are you know, they're, they're in good shape, but they're not necessarily jacked. And those guys are with very beautiful women. So take from that what you will. But there's a lot of like this bro culture on the internet, which I think is uh, uh, informed by people's own perceptions that aren't necessarily always accurate. Um, Af Afro says, I don't know if we, yeah, I don't think we did this one. Uh, Kino touching during the date really helps. High-fiving, 100%. Um, and then Bob says, a girl said she was anxious. I escalated, that is to say, move things forward. We hooked up. She needed me to make the move. Take the risk, fellas. Play to win 100%. 100%. Because you think that these girls are incredibly self-confident. You think that they are just like, oh, I'm I'm cute. I'm hot. So whatever. Um, the girls are all going to, you know, I, I'm sorted. There's no problem. Not necessarily the case. Girls can actually be very self-confident. They can be insecure. Okay. And they don't like making the first move. We know that. We know that because girls don't generally approach. It's not, they never approach, but it, it doesn't happen with anything like the frequency of guys approaching. So you've got to, you, you it's incumbent upon you to be the one who makes that move because and, and she can, sometimes it can backfire because she can actually be disappointed that you didn't make that move because she wanted something to happen and you didn't make it happen. And then you've ruined it for both of you. So, you know, you've got to play to win. Got to play to win. Uh, Ubik says, maybe try with an average girl first because you might feel nervous with good looking girls. Yeah, it's true. Whatever gets you there. Uh, Brad Pitt in Troy or Fight Club is a good standard to aim at. 100%, man. 100%. I mean, you know, I don't think that you can get a better example, really, than 
than, than than Fight Club. I mean, that is a that's a great lean physique. I think that's a good thing for for guys to be aiming for. I mean, it looks good in clothes as well, right? That's the other thing. You know, you can wear a nice suit, you can wear a nice a nice shirt, you could, you know, like it it, it looks good, okay? Um and being sort of bulky doesn't it doesn't necessarily. I mean, it depends, you know, I don't know. Everyone it depends what your what your taste is, I suppose, what your you know, what the kind of look you want to go for, but um but yeah, I I you know, I think it looks good. I think it looks good when guys are They've got that lean kind of thing, and women like it. And this is the key thing. This is the key thing. Adam says, what age do you feel is appropriate for the youngest male viewer to be introduced to the RP community? Well, I don't know. 18? I mean, I guess younger, actually, really. I guess I was 16 or something like that, maybe. I mean, like, at what age do you think it would have been useful for you to have that sort of information? I personally think... Probably late teenage years, you know, maybe, I mean, arguably younger, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that case. But, you know, as basically once you start to interact with, with women and you, you know, you start to get burned by it a bit, then it's helpful to understand the, the, the underlying dynamics. But in terms of the stuff that I talk about, which is informed by Red Pill, but it's not, you know, I talk more about social dynamics really on this channel. Again, similar sort of age, really, because you need to understand the underlying dynamics. And what Green is saying at the beginning of that preface is that seduction, in the way that women used it initially, was very much about push and pull. It was very much about like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'll give you a glimpse of something that's tantalizing, and then I'm gonna pull it away. You know, I'll give you that glimpse, and then I'm gonna pull it away. And that, in in Green's estimation, got got, got the guys more excited more keen to be with that particular woman and then and then guys just copied that model and played it back against the women that they were seeking to get with and um i never understood that i never understood that as a kid uh, or as a young man you know i never i never got the whole push pull thing it had to be taught to me i was always very like we'll just go up and tell her you like her or just you know ask her out and then if she's sort of lukewarm just just ask her again pursue 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 i and the whole thing about flipping the script because this is underlying it all right the whole thing about flipping the script and being like well actually i'm the prize actually i am the i am the the, the cool one here and she should be vying for my attention that was completely alien to me really until i suppose actually my early 20s that became more of a feature of what I was doing. And it became a feature of what I was doing actually when I was doing bar work. It wasn't because I'd read anything or, you know, um, I mean, there was no internet or anything at that point anyway. But when I was working in bars, I would leverage the social power that that gave me because i'm working a cool bar i'm standing behind the bar she's like oh that guy's cool because he works here he must be cool i would leverage that kind of power that i had and then instinctively the, the script kind of was flipped because then i was acting like the big i am and the girls were buying into it and i started to get attraction doing that okay so that was how i first i suppose got a glimpse of how the, the script can be flipped but then the problem that I had 
was when I was off duty from the bar, when I was going out to clubs and things on my on my own and I wasn't standing behind that bar in this cool venue, I had no idea what to do because then it seemed to me that my value plummeted because now I'm just some random guy in the bar, in the club, like every other guy in there. And then I was back to being underneath the girls again. Then I was back to... Oh my God, she's so beautiful, and I'm just, I'm just down here, and uh, you know, oh, can I please talk to you? Um, can I please, can I please kiss you, Miss? You know, I was back down to that level, and it, that it took me a lot of time and studying this stuff to recognize that actually, if you go in with that mindset, you go in with that warrior mindset that Green talks about in the in the art of seduction, and you go in with that assumed value, then the girl will buy into that. I thought you needed to have something else. I thought you needed to have something external. Like I work in this cool place, or I suppose I've got these cool clothes or I've got this car or whatever. I thought you had to have something external because I believe that my value, my inherent value was not enough. When I flipped that script and when I generated the, the mindset of the seducer, I guess, and I went out with the, the complete assurance in my own mind that I had huge value. I had greater value, actually, even than many of the girls that I was interacting with. Then things started to change. And then I started to attract people to me because now, all of a sudden, I wasn't on the wrong end of that spectrum. I wasn't on the wrong end of that, of that value, lack of value spectrum that seesaw i was actually the one walking into the interaction as though i had the value and 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 and, and here's the thing as tyler from rsd would say in something like uh, the the blueprint right who's to say what value is anyway who's to say what being cool is anyway right it's it, it's subjective okay so she thinks that being cool is I suppose today, having a bunch of Instagram followers, uh, wearing certain clothes, buying certain brands, maybe going to certain destinations, whatever. She thinks those things are cool. But it doesn't mean that she's right. And it doesn't mean that that's an absolute. You have your own value system. You have your own determination of what is cool. And of course, you ace it in all categories because it's your system. So you walk up to her and in in your own estimation, you are the absolute boss across all categories. Now, she may agree, she may come to agree or she may not agree and that's her prerogative. But you don't walk into that interaction subordinate to her just because, you know, you haven't got a blue check mark or you're not a famous celebrity, right? Or whatever it is. You walk in laughing at those people because who wastes their time on Instagram so much that they've got a blue check mark? Who's who's stupid enough to be a celebrity? Why do you want fame? Well, who wants that's ridiculous? Who wants fame? Far better to be an anonymous and make bank off crypto and have nobody know about it, right? So you walk into the interaction, you disdain her value system, you disdain whatever she thinks is cool. It doesn't matter. You are cool, you are where it's at, you are the one that is awesome, okay? And when you do that, when you get into the practice of doing that, what you'll find is 
that women will buy into that frame. People in general will start to buy into that frame. Now, not all of them. Okay. And this is where I'm not making any massive claims. I'm not saying, yeah, just think you're awesome, bro. And, you know, everybody's going to fall at your feet. Of course, it's not like that. Of course, this isn't universal. Some of them are going to disagree. Some of them are going to think you're an idiot. Well, guess what? Who cares? Right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. You need to have that unshakable self belief. And what you will find is yes, some people won't buy into that, but many will. Okay. And remember, you only need a few yeses to have an amazing life, okay? And a whole night out, when we can go on nights out again, and in a whole night out, you only need one yes to, to have had an amazing night. You only need one yes, okay? That, that's it. You don't need to convert every woman in the bar. You don't need every woman in the whole place to think you're amazing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You only need one. OK, so, yes, you are going to get rejections. Yes, you are going to have girls who think, well, this, this dude, what's what's with, what's with him? He hasn't got a blue check mark. What is what, who does he think he is? Yes, you're going to get those those women who think that. But if you have that attitude about yourself, you will also find that there will be some who buy into it. OK, and, and that those are the ones that you're concerned with. You're concerned with those girls who you meet who go. Actually, yeah, you're right. This, you are pretty cool. You're right. I am being superficial, thinking about these dudes with the the blue check marks. You are awesome, and that's what you're looking for, and and that you will find. Okay, if you do this and you put yourself out there enough. Now, look, again, I just want to make the point. I'm only using the blue check mark thing as a as an example, as as a placeholder for a sort of externally measurable indicator of value okay i'm not if you can get a blue check mark get one it's amazing i'm just using that as an example okay of a sort of a superficial kind of idea of what of what worth value is and how actually you as an individual you don't have to buy into that okay you don't have to buy into those external indicators of value that everyone else buys into you can have your own and you hold those proudly you hold those proudly and if people don't agree with you, that's fine. But you don't have to buy into their frame, okay? Rizzo says, hi, guys. Hi, Rizzo. Good to see you. Um, Bob says, any interest on lifestyle vids, hairstyle, stuff for the optics in game, three-minute quick hits? Nights out, maybe a new lane for 2021. I think, yeah, I think I need to start putting out some shorter content again uh, because these streams are, are all very well, but obviously not everyone's got time to, to sit and watch this for an hour. So I'm certainly going to be doing some clips. I've, I'm debating at the moment whether to put those on a separate clips channel or just put them on here, but I'll certainly do some shorter clips. And yes, I think you're right. I think some shorter videos again would be a good thing. I kind of got a little bit into this doing this live streaming stuff, but the shorter videos I think I think would help for sure. So um so yeah, watch this space on that. Alex says your beta voice sounds like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> well uh Imagine Aaron Clary doing ballroom dancing. Hard to imagine. Um... Yeah, Afro says, great uh, insight with regard to the value system frame. 
connecting busy perfecting my own values. Yeah, you have your own values, right? I mean, there's no... Now, look, of course, it's more nuanced than that because you also don't want to be a loser. I'm not saying be a fat loser and sit on the couch and then your value system is look at all you idiots going to the gym. I'm sitting on the couch and I'm a fat uh, waster eating pizza and that's awesome. I'm not saying that. Although, you know, to, to be honest, you if that really was your vibe, you could you you could probably make you could probably could make that work. But I'm not saying that. You do want to self-improve. You do want to be the best you can be, which is another one of those manosphere cliches. You do want to lose weight if you need to lose weight. You want to gain muscle if you need to gain muscle. You want to, you know, you, you need to do all of that stuff for sure. You should be doing that stuff. But the point I'm making is you don't have to buy into societal frame. You don't have to buy into other people's frame about what is cool and what is not. Even if she's a very hot girl, even if she's a, a nine out of ten, it doesn't it doesn't mean you have to buy into her frame and then consider that you failed because you haven't lived up to some stupid checklist that she's got. Why do you have to buy into her frame? Why do you have to buy into anyone's frame? You know, you don't. That's the reality. Now I'm not saying you'll get that girl. Well, fine. You know, things happen. That's life, whatever. But you don't have to buy into these people's value systems. You know, I, I've had this before. I mean, I, like I, I, um, I remember going out with a girl years ago in Birmingham. She was from Birmingham in, in England. And she was very super, she was very shallow about things like clothes. And she loved, you know, um, she liked it when guys wore clothes with branding on it, you know, she's like, Oh, you know, Troy, it'd be really nice if you just got like a really nice Dolce and Gabbana t-shirt, you know, cause like all the guys down at the club, you know, like down at, down at Wobble, they all wear the, like the D and G t-shirts, you know, it's really stylish. And cause I was an idiot at that time, I bought into that and I thought, yeah, she's right. And so I ended up spending a lot of money and buying, these, you know, designer T-shirts with Dolce & Gabbana written on them and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, she's right. She's right. Her value system. And this was a girl, by the way, that I was actually seeing, I was sleeping with. And um, But I, because I sort of got a bit one-eyed to see, I felt that I had to to buy into her frame, her frame of what was, what was cool and what wasn't cool. And so I'm buying these T-shirts and like, yeah, you know, trying to be the person that she wanted to be. And then we we broke up and, you know, whatever afterwards. And I remember talking to another girl and the other girl was like, well, that's just really tacky. That's just like, what, what you know, like who wears those T-shirts? That's just really like, that's not, that's not really stylish, you know. And this is the thing. People have different value systems. People have different ideas about what is, what is cool, about what brings you status and what doesn't. All right. And, you know, there was no need for me to have bought into that girl's value system if I didn't want to. What I should have done was said to her, don't be stupid. What are you on about, you shallow little girl? That's ridiculous. I'm going to wear this shirt because I really like this shirt. And that would have been better. That would have stood me in better stead with her. Okay? We often feel, particularly when the girls are very attractive, when women are very attractive, we feel like, okay, I need to fall in line with what she thinks because if I don't... And then we measure ourselves against the scale that we believe that she's put into place. And for a start, if we're talking about approaching, we don't always know what she thinks is cool, what she thinks is awesome anyway. So there is, there's that. But even aside from that, even if she does measure you up on a certain scale and find you lacking, 
that doesn't mean she's right. It doesn't mean you should go, oh, my God, I failed as a human being because this one random woman who happens to be physically attractive thinks that I should have been wearing Dolce & Gabbana T-shirts. It's it's like, what you, you know, it's like you, you need to push back. Not in, a, not in a rude way, not in a sort of aggressive way, but but you need to mentally, you need to be pushing back on people's expectations of what you should be and what you shouldn't be. You know, it's like, um, and that ironically, that's going to make you more attractive. Okay. Now, I knew Nash was going to say something. I make a point not to display branding. I can see MLD doing the exact opposite, displaying value. I think it's all about context in the end of what you're trying to achieve. I knew someone would mention MLD because, and I've actually spoken with MLD about this. Um, I've actually spoken with MLD about this before on on live stream or or in his um, in his uh, webinars. I mean, like I'm I'm these days I'm somewhat on the fence about it because MLD says that you wear branded stuff and he gets more attention when he wears branded stuff. And and to be honest, that's why. I used to wear more branded stuff back in the day for that same reason, because the reality of the matter is that a lot of girls, a lot of people are pretty superficial. And so you wear something branded and it's like a shortcut, you know, and it's, it's, and, and they look at it, they're like, Oh, he's wearing that branded thing. And you know, it's a shortcut to being cool. So I do get that it works. And actually, you know, you might even see me wearing some branded T-shirts on here at some point. So I'm not I'm not completely averse to it. Again, I was I was kind of using that as an example of the sort of um, the sort of externalization of, of, of status that other people can seek to put onto you and that you can feel that you should buy into and you don't have to buy into it. Right. If you're somebody who's just like, well, actually. I wear plain, you know, I just wear plain shirts all the time because I think this is cooler. And I I believe, because of my value system, that wearing branded clothing is silly and superficial, you know, whatever. Then stick with that. You know, you don't, what I'm saying is you don't have to fall into other people's frames is essentially it. Uh, never take a woman's word too serious. Just use the muse mastery. Yes, absolutely. Um says, uh, hi, author, when will you have a new book? Well, uh, hopefully very soon. I'm going to start working on one um, this week. So, yeah, uh, hopefully soon. But watch this space. Fantastic Brum accent. All right, you know, you know, Troy, you really need to get that one of them D&G T-shirts. They're really nice. They're, like, really stylish, um, etc. <clears throat> She's quite cute, though. Uh, back then, Bob says, create a new channel in addition to this. Get supers. Well, yes, yes. Uh, are you going to upload new podcasts on Apple? Yes, I am. I've been a bit remiss with that as well. So, uh, so yeah. I'm, in fact, I was going to, I was going to upload the Aaron Clary interview actually. So, watch this space for that. Uh, the weather is 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 shit. I can't do any day game. Any tips? Well, it, it, there's that, and also we're in a lockdown scenario as well. So, I would say that really. Ultimately, I mean, you might, it depends where you are. Um, I know a guy in London who's doing some approaches and, you know, it seems to be going okay. But I would say that really you need to be focusing on the online stuff at the moment because, you know, we are in a, we are in a lockdown situation and obviously that has an effect on, on things. So it's, you know, and the weather's rubbish. It's, it's all, there's, there's no good news at the moment. Um, 
I love it. Troy's accent, but what I love is when Troy sings. Well, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a song before the end of the show. Um, but anyway, just going back to the book, going back to the art of seduction. He Robert Greene. So he said this thing about seducers having this warrior's outlook, okay, which I think is important, and I think I think that's um, something that I've certainly had, and and certainly guys that I've known who've been very successful in this field. Because remember, remember, I'm not claiming here to be the world's greatest at this or anything like that. A lot of what I talk about also is, is about other people that I've observed and, and guys that I've been friends with and hung around with and stuff like that. And the guys who I've hung around with and spent time with who are very, very good at this stuff, they've all tended to have that warrior mindset. They've all tended to have that persistence, that, that like, right we're going to do this or die trying that kind of mindset. Okay. So I think it's really important. And um, it's interesting that Robert Greene makes this point, but then, and then he goes on to talk about how seducers are outward looking. So they don't tend to get very insecure because they focus on, on, they focus on the other people. They focus on those they are looking to seduce and they learn about those people and they try to, they, they look for chinks in the armor. Okay. So they're outward looking um and then and this is one of the most important i think and interesting parts of the the chapter is he basically says seducers don't feel the need to be themselves okay and seduction is amoral and these are two things that i bang on about really the whole time this is kind of what cat academy is based on and it's what a lot of my twitter is based on and i get into a lot of not trouble, but you know, I get flamed by tradcons and 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 moralists for this. But Robert Greene encapsulates it really well here in this chapter. So I'll read this section. This is a slightly longer quote. He goes, A seducer sees all of life as theater, everyone as an actor. Most people feel that they have constricted roles in life, which can make them unhappy. Seducers, on the other hand, can be anyone and can assume many roles, okay? They can be anyone and they can assume many roles. And he says the archetype is the God's use. An insatiable seducer of young maidens. What a what a cat. Um, whose main weapon was the ability to assume the form of whatever person or animal would most appeal to his victim. Seducers take pleasure in performing and are not weighed down by their identity or some need to be themselves or to be natural. Okay, well, this is this is interesting, isn't it? This is interesting. So, you know, this is like the whole thing of like, uh, um, just be yourself. Robert Greene saying the opposite. Robert Greene saying being art be artificial. Robert Greene is saying this is about theater. This is about performance. And I, I'm fully on board with this. Now, again, let's be nuanced here. I'm not saying pretend you've got a Lambo. I'm not saying pretend that you're a millionaire, that you've got a penthouse suite or whatever. I'm not saying that. But there is a performative element to seduction, particularly in the, in the, in the initial stages. That is to say, in the first interaction, when you're in the club, when you're in the bar, whatever, and in the initial bit when you, you guys are first together um when you're first dating or if you are friends with benefits or whatever it is right you want there to be an element of mystery there's an element of performance in those early stages and it's not just you the girls are doing it as well okay girls are doing it as well girls put on a character when a girl puts on a character when she's first dating 
And it, then if you see her for a length of time, you'll realize actually she was she wasn't quite that character. It's not that she was pretending to be someone she wasn't, but it is that she was she was turning up the dial on certain elements of her personality. And you need to do the same thing. Okay. He goes on. The free this freedom of theirs, the seducers, this fluidity in body and spirit, it what is what makes them attractive. Okay, that fluidity makes them attractive. What people lack in life is not more reality, but illusion, fantasy, and play. Because let's face it, people are bored, right? Girls are bored, right? They don't want more reality. They don't want some boring chode. They want something more. They want something more exciting. They want illusion, fantasy, play. The clothes that seducers wear. Maybe not that. The clothes that seducers wear, the places they take you to, their words and actions are slightly heightened, not overly theatrical, but with a delightful edge of unreality, as if the two of you were living out a piece of fiction or were characters in a film. Seduction is a kind of theatre in real life, the meeting of illusion and reality. Okay, the meeting of illusion and reality. And when I've been out and about and I've been at my height in this stuff and meeting these different girls and having this promiscuous lifestyle, it's always seemed to me that there's an air of unreality about it, that I'm playing a character of a certain type. I'm not lying about myself. I'm not pretending to be a multimillionaire. I'm not saying that I'm a hedge fund manager. Or I've got a private jet, but I am playing a somewhat heightened version of myself because if you spend a lot of time with me, like everybody else, I'm pretty damn boring. You know, I like to get up, I cook something to eat, I go to the I go to the loo, I go for a walk down the street, whatever, right? So you you need to get away from that prosaic self that you have. You need to get away from that prosaic identity and you need to heighten yourself somewhat to the to the level of of of, of unreality. Now, um a great example of this would be Tristan Tate. So I met Tristan. Now the Tates are their own self-created fantasy figures right aren't they you know you look at their instagram you look at their twitter you look at their youtube whatever right i mean they are their own self-created characters okay now i i met um i've met both of them i met tristan last year we had some cigars and we were chatting and he's a nice guy and i'm sure that day to day he's a pretty regular guy i'm sure that he gets up and has a coffee and you know whatever like everybody else but he is to some degree, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, he's to some degree playing a character, certainly when he's interacting with women. And I've seen him interacting with women, and he's very good. And, and, and he's not lying about himself. He's not pretending to be someone else. But he is certainly leveraging the fluidity of his persona. That is to say, he's, he's, he's upping the ante of the mystery. And particularly for somebody like that, because he's traveling, he's, doing all, he's going to different places, he's doing all this crazy stuff. Girls are fascinated with that. They can't pin him down, okay? It's not that he has this singular identity and it's like, right, he works in accounts and he's got a good 401k and blah, blah, blah. You need to get away from that. You need to get away from that boring stuff, right? You've got to be something of a fantasy figure for her, at least in those initial stages. Later on, you know, yeah, you let the guard down a bit. But at the beginning, you need to be that fantasy figure. And this is what Robert Greene is talking about here. Talks about the clothes. Um, seduction is a kind of theatre in real life, the meeting of illusion and reality. And then he says, finally, seducers are completely amoral in their approach to life. Oh, my God. 
and have the tricons like rolling over on the floor. Oh my God, how can they be completely amoral? What about Donald Trump, our savior? He's so moral. Why can't they be like him? Um, no, he says, so Jesus are completely amoral in their approach to life. It is all a game, an arena for play. It's all a game. Knowing that the moralists, the crabbed, repressed types who croak about the evils of the seducer, most of the, these are on Twitter, um, secretly envy their power, they do not concern themselves with other people's opinions. They do not deal in moral judgments. Nothing could be less seductive. Okay, moral judgments, moralism, it's not sexy, guys. It's not sexy, right? You know, it may get you a load of likes on Twitter, but it's not sexy. It's not making, it's, it's not turning her on okay and green is very clear here he says the seducer is completely amoral in his approach to life now you may not like that that may not sound very attractive that may not sound very nice to you but you know if you want to influence people if you want to get things done then you've got to be realistic and of course all of green's books really are amoral well maybe master is not i don't know but i mean certainly 48 laws of power and this one and the, the war strategies one, they're, 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 they are amoral in the sense that, and that, that's not to say immoral, that's not to say they're setting out to do something bad, but it's just that, it's just that morality, they don't, they don't, uh, what's the word? They don't really take morality into account as part of the equation. Okay. They, I mean, morality is, is there, it's a thing, but what Green is saying, and what he says in this book and his other books, in my mind, is that he is he's looking at what's effective. He's looking at what's pragmatic. He's looking at what works. Okay. And morality is not is not a key consideration. Okay. And it shouldn't be for the seducer. It isn't for the seducer. And then he says seduction is a form of deception, but people want to be led astray. And of course, that's true, isn't it? Because, like we said, you know, the girl is bored in the main. You know, I mean, her, her, her life may look cool on Instagram. Her life in the stories may look awesome. But in the main, she's kind of bored, particularly at the moment. <laughs> but no, I mean, even if she's in Dubai, she's kind of bored because we're all a bit bored, right? In the sense that we all want spectacle. We all want to see something exciting. We all want something new, something different. We all want to feel like we're alive before we die. Okay, so the girl is bored as well as you are. And so she doesn't want you to be the boring normie. She doesn't want you to be like this kind of crabbed moralist that he talks about. She wants you to be the fantasy figure. And this is why people like the Tates do very well. Because, I mean, obviously they've got their physicality and their looks and stuff. But beyond that, beyond that, it's the fantasy. It's the fantasy that they're selling. You know, and you've got to think, when you're putting yourself out there in that dating marketplace, what am I, what am I bringing to the party here? Am I just a boring normie? Right. And if you are, well, I'm not saying, you know, that, that you're not going to get get no you're, you're going to get no success. But are you going to get the stellar heights of success that you could be getting the stellar heights of success? That a gentleman like John Modern Life Dating gets. Sex party time, it's always a sex party with MLD. I'm sorry to hear about the second lockdown, though. That is bad. That is not good. So, yeah, you've got to. Be that fantasy figure and, and and don't be a moralist, okay? Like, as I say, you've got all these trad cons on Twitter and stuff. You might get some likes from other dudes, but it's not make it's not turning the girls on, right? It's not gonna help you get the girls, as uh Mr. Clary would say, right? So, you know, be amoral, be fluid, be somewhat fluid in your presentation. Don't be tied 
to this one sense of yourself of like, oh, I'm this kind of dude. I'm this kind of guy. I'm I'm just a simple guy who likes the countryside, right? You know, why do you have to have that one identity? Why do you have to be tied down to that one thing? You don't. You can be whatever you want to be, okay? And the seducer is somewhat amorphous, all right? And this is what Green is saying in here. So this is a fascinating chapter. Fascinating stuff. Somewhat controversial stuff as well, actually. Um, really, I mean, like I say, with, like with all of Green's books, you know, he's not he's not sugarcoating this. This isn't like a sort of feel-good guide to like, oh my God, just be yourself and be really nice. You know, this is this is kind of down and dirty, but that's what makes it so good, okay? Because there are few writers who are as honest as Robert Greene and, and, and as clear-sighted as Robert Greene and as willing to just tell it like it is as Robert Greene. And that's what makes this book so valuable and so useful. So there's loads and loads of great stuff in here, even just in that preface, okay? So in the next show, when we cover this, we're going to be going more into some of the, the archetypes, some of the archetypes of the different um, types of seducers. And tomorrow we're going to have Jack, uh napier on here and uh he's kind of keen to to talk a bit more about this so we'll start going into some of the different um archetypes of seducers and we'll have a chat about you know maybe where where you come into this and maybe you'll start to recognize yourself and, as, as an archetype and or you'll see an archetype and you'll think well maybe i can become a bit more like that you know like the rake or the the dandy or the the star or the the charismatic or whatever it is he's got a whole list of them so we'll be going into that more in the forthcoming episode. As I say, tomorrow we've got Jack Napier on, so we'll be chatting to him as well. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, John, we're doing The uh, the Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. We're doing a, um, a breakdown of The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene in the next few episodes, so it's all fun. Um, okay, so let's have a look at the comments. If your body's on point, there's really no need to wear high-end brands. Thank you, Alex. I assume that's a compliment for me. Um, high value plus charisma gain, both are fine. One is enough by itself. Well, yeah, I mean, I, ideally you want to have a bit of both, but, but yes, absolutely. Um, James says in 10 years time, in 10 years time, you'll be seducing the 30 somethings or maybe you already are. Can you pick up 18, 19 year olds, uh, now? I, I think it, um, I think it would depend perhaps where I was and, um, where she was from and everything else like that. But I think, I, I think that that's uh, eminently possible for a guy, even into his forties. I certainly know guys who are doing that. Um, so yeah, um, I don't think that's a big problem, but I mean, as it seems, as you get older, you, you know, you, you, your, your, your tastes broaden somewhat and, you know, dating into the, the early thirties is not, is not, is not a terrible thing by any means. Um, but really, I mean, all of the girls that I've dated have been in their twenties, really. Um, I've dated a little bit into the early thirties, but in general, um, it, it, it's, it's twenties and that's always been the case at some point. I'm sure that will have to move up a little bit, but, um, you know, I, the point is that you can, if you keep yourself in decent Nick, then you can, as a guy, you can keep going for, for, for a long period of time because our shelf life is, is longer as, as you probably know by now. So just bear that in mind. Um, Maurizio Zanfanti, the Italian Lothario, dubbed the, the Romeo of Rimini, the, Rimi, the rimming Romeo of Rimini, bedded 6,000 women while having sex with a 23-year-old tourist. You can keep going. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. We are the canaries in the coal mine. You know, how long can you 
can you keep going for? I, I mean, perhaps indefinitely. It depends. You need to keep yourself in shape. You need to make sure your money's right and all of that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, guys do have a very long shelf life. A skinny boy with small muscles <laughs> says, in this state of affairs, have the more ideal places to meet and shut up women changed? Asking for myself. Well, I think at the moment, uh, like, it's it's online, isn't it? It's online. That's you just got to accept it. It's online. Um, you know, certainly night game in most places has uh, has died a death at the moment. Uh, day game depends where you are. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's all about online, really, at the moment. Uh, is London still in Tier 5 lockdown? I don't know if they've called it Tier 5, but it's the whole country is now in a lockdown, which means that the bars, clubs, restaurants, cafes are closed. Non-essential shops are closed. You can get takeout, stuff like that. Um, there's people are walking around and, and things, but um, all the fun stuff is closed, basically, unfortunately. Do you think the cold approach is regarded as low value for the female? Do you mean a guy cold approaching or the female cold approaching? James says, check out the psychology of selling, Cialdini seven principles, good stuff. Yes, absolutely. Cialdini is great. We should probably do a show about that at some point. Certainly something Tom Torero covered in the past, Cialdini's influence. Uh, Troy, Baker's, Baker's Online. Good to see you, man. London's just entered tier 50,000. Um, it's good for you to write the new book about the art of locking down. Absolutely. A guy, a guy called approaching... Um, uh, no, not, not really. Not really. If you bring value... Then you know, you know, because it's like the old thing. If if Leonardo DiCaprio approach, he's not going to think it's low value, right? So it, the, the the art of the cold approach in itself, the act of the cold approach in itself, is not low value. If you're low value, it's going to look low value. But in itself, no, I don't believe it's low value. Uh, indeed. So look, okay, let's leave it for now because I've got to go and grab some food. Um, I do another call actually with somebody. But I hope you got some value from this. I think this book is fantastic. We're going to get loads of great material out of this, actionable stuff as well. I don't. This isn't just a boring, dry kind of like oh, book club type thing. This is like you know what what are the actionable things that we can get out of this book? Okay, um, and I may also I may also start to do a series of articles about this as well because I, I I you know I want to. I'm taking advantage of this as much for myself as anybody else because I want to – I've read this a couple of times. I've listened to the audio book, but I want to really internalize some of the principles in this. So I might start to publish these as, as some articles as well where we summarize some of this stuff. So um, so look out for that. I'll, I'll have a think about it. I'll let you know. But anyway, in the meantime, please do hit subscribe to the channel. Hit the notifications bell so you're, you're notified, hopefully, when these live streams and videos come up. Give me, give me a comment, give me a like, all of that good stuff. Tickle the algorithm so we can grow the audience, grow the channel. Get on my free daily email list. There's a link to that below um, where I'm sending out a, a little article every day about different aspects of dating and game. Uh, and grab Renegade Dating Blueprint as well, which is my collection of 11 books about all of this stuff. Uh, you can get it for just $39. There is a link below. And yeah, that's it for now. But I hope to see you guys again tomorrow. Uh, when we're going to have Jack Napier on and we'll be delving more into the world of seduction. I'll see you guys again very soon. Thanks everybody for tuning in, by the way, Farhan, James, Nash, 
uh, Dea, Suleiman the Magnificent, Baker's Online. Who else do we have? John MLD, uh, Mr. Mark Zolo. Thank you for tuning in. Vanity Evolved, Adam, uh, all of you guys, Alex Schmidt. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's much appreciated. Much love to all of you, and I will see you guys again 